0: Listener Discretion. This is a Radio Wave special with a friend of Mejigoria about the recent Connecticut shooting. Some of the topics discussed are unsuitable for young children.
1: Today is Wednesday, December 19th, 2012. And this is Radio Wave.
0: Justin, you are looking at a, obviously a very disturbing live shot there. That is the World Trade Center, and we have unconfirmed reports this morning that a plane has crashed into one of the towers of the World Trade Center. We are back at 9 o'clock Eastern time on this Tuesday morning, and we're back with dramatic pictures of an accident that has happened just a short time ago. Questions have to be asked, was this... Purely an accident or could this have been an intentional act but either way extensive damage has been done to this building have you seen any any evidence of, of people being taken out of the building uh, you say that emergency vehicles are there understandably so but of course the major concern is human oh loss i mean do you know if there were many people in the building oh another one just hit something else just hit oh. a very large plane just oh.
2: flew directly over my building and there's been another collision can you see it yes. i
3: can yes. see on the shot that, I, I'm, I've never seen any, it looks like a movie, I saw a large plane, like a jet, go immediately, headed directly into the World Trade Center, it, it, it just flew into it, into the into the other tower coming from south to north, I watched the plane fly into the World Trade Center, it was a jet, it was a very large plane, it was going south, it went past the Richmond carlton was being built in Battery Park, it went, flew right past it, almost hit it, and then went in. I've never seen anything like it. It literally blew itself into World Trade Center.
0: Obviously, now we we move from what what appears to have... There it is right there.
3: Again, I'm looking from south to north, and it went into the the one on the right.
0: That appeared to be at least a 727. We saw it a second ago. Here it here comes the tape that we we just showed you you will see what appears to be a large plane it could be a 727 right there maybe even bigger flying right into the side of the world trade center
3: it was at least a 727 i it was a jet i couldn't believe my eyes watching it right above me
0: and and now you you have to move from talk about a possible accident to talk about something deliberate that has happened here. We're going to immediately check with air traffic control in the area to find out if they had contact with either of these planes before the accident. But what we've just seen is, is about the most shocking tape I've ever seen.
1: So what does the 9-11 event have to do with the event we just experienced, December fourteenth, two 2012? Everything... Our Lady said, on September 25th, 1991, For now, as never before, Satan wants to show the world his shameful face, by which he wants to seduce as many people as possible onto the way of death and sin. And so, as we had something happen on 9-11, that we can look to this event now is going to give way to something else. Because the goal of Satan on 9-11 was not what nineteen or so men did, crashing planes into the twin towers and the Pentagon. That was his dessert, and he ate the dessert first. The tree that grew from this was the loss of liberty. Who could ever imagine that that day of September eleventh, nineteen men could change the world? Did you see that? Did you know that was coming? all the things that happen, the TSA searches, even pat-downs, against one's own will, against one's liberty. That before 9-11, will be charged with molestation. Obama's National Defense Authorization Act. When we can be picked up and be t- detained without any pro- due process, indefinitely, not even being able to contact your family, or they even know where you are, what happened to you. Many executive orders of Obama. Many things the government has done to the Patriot Act. Yes, the fruit was the killings. And we all thought that was the event. We'd go down and squash it, we will attack it, we'd we'll stop it. America would win. But who could foresee the restrictional movement? the freedom loss. And now what this president plans to do? Yes, Satan's plans for the attack were not the attack, but what would result from the attack. Evil's design was to guide events to kill liberty. And on 12, 14, 12, the Sandy Hook school killings of the innocent, Satan plans for the same results of the attack. Evil's grand desire will now be to guide all events to kill freedom. Just like the 9-11 attack. And all the evils got it from there. Schools will be turned in prisons. People have been conditioned to, lo- to live in this zo- gun-free zone for safety. Lockdowns. I've heard people even sit there talking about barbed wire. What's going to result from this? They're taking a slow incremental, resi- incremental restriction of guns until you can't even have one yourself for your own defense. This is Satan's plans to initiate a tragedy as he did 9-11, choking liberty to death on that case. And we'll go now to a new phase of satanic evil to squash all freedom. Liberty and now Freedom. All under the guise to keep you safe at all cost. What will happen from all this? Obama said today, plans are underway for tyranny to find no resistance and reign. Did he use those words? No. But if you know your enemy, you know the enemy of freedom, you know the enemy of liberty, you know where this will go. It's like in God's events today. It's our lady said, who evil wants to reign. Or rather, evil wants to rue and destroy the world. This is not an isolated killing of the innocents at this Sandy Hook school. This is much bigger than that. Watch where we go from now. Watch what happens and watch what unfolds. Already, we've got a committee to take the very thing that people do to defend themselves against tyranny, the Second Amendment? You think this is by chance? No, it's to seize the moment that the devil provided. And of course, we're going into this was a mental situation. Really? Mental? Where's the devil? The closest people, everything I've read, they've come to the devil behind this Is calling it evil this goes way beyond that this is a satanic action a satanic fruit how did it come about our lady said August 15th 1983 every disorder comes from Satan she didn't say some Some's just mental illness. She says, oh. She didn't leave out loopholes. Every disorder comes from Satan. What are we to make of this? Because we have everybody. Let's build more mental institutions. Obama talked about that today. We've got to look at mental health. Don't buy the lie. Don't go there. Where does a lot of these disorders come about? As a result of sin. Either someone else's, or the individual's, or both. So what does Our Lady mean when she says August 15, 1983? In contradiction to what both sides of the aisle, the middle, the conservatives, the liberal, the left, the right, are all saying, well, this is the middle, or disturbed. They're scared to say the word Satan. So they're untruthful. They lie. The Vatican's chief exorcist is Armworth, Father Armworth, and he has written two books. He addresses this, that he never goes into exorcism without somebody to take care of the middle part of it. So it's not necessary to be discounted, but we've got to resent what that comes from. And Satan uses these things. They're usually grounded in sin and results in depression and holding things in. Remember, acid destroys the container it's held in. And that's why we have confession. Catholics had the least psychological problems 60 years ago than any other group of people. They didn't go to psychiatrists. They went to confession. Confession. They released themselves of these things. It didn't bottle up in them until it exploded or acid destroyed itself. The container holds. So this caustic behavior that so many have adopted, been conditioned to, are placed in an environment for this to grow and incubate. For whatever reason, we have to take our lady's words to measure this by... That every order, or rather every disorder, comes from Satan. This school killing is directly from the devil. Make no bones about it. Don't blame it on something else. That's the first place you go to, place you go to. So we're gonna read some from his book about this explanation, which briefly will describe this in much more detail.
3: This comes from the book, An Exorcist Tells His Story. And Father Amarth says, First I will speak of people who can, or who claim they can, bring about liberation, but who often simply aim at healing. It is difficult to make a clear distinction in this field. The devil is at the root of every illness, suffering, sin, death. They are all consequences of sin, but there are also ills that are directly provoked by the evil one. The gospel mentions some such cases, such as the woman who was stooped for 18 years or had paralysis, and a deaf mute. In both instances, a satanic presence caused the sickness, and the Lord healed them by expelling the demons. The rule of thumb that I sketched before is very useful. If an, evil, if an illness has an evil origin, there is no drug that will cure it while prayers and exorcisms will. It is true that in the case of a lengthy, diabolical possession, the victim becomes subject to psychological problems and may need adequate medical care even after liberation. Here I am merely touching upon an area that requires specific ex- expertise, such as an exorcist usually does not have. An exorcist must be aware of mental illness only to the degree that he should recognize when a psychiatrist is needed, he is not required to know about mental illness as much as a psychiatrist does. By the same token, the exorcist must be aware of parapsychological phenomenon, but he cannot be a substitute for an expert in that field. The exorcist's specific domain is supernatural. He must have exact knowledge of supernatural phenomena and the relative cures. This premise is necessary, because here we are dealing with matters that touch upon the supernatural, the paranormal, normal, and the preternatural, or diabolical.
1: So what do we make of these things? How shall we see these innocent children? And how does God see it? He says God wants to speak to you through nature, through men, through various other ways. Here we are in the Christmas season. And many people tie in the killing of the innocents. I was in Jerusalem, and in the Cave of the Nativity, St. Jerome wrote the St. Jerome Bible with two other women. But there are also other graves there, about 20 or so, that they've counted, which I thought there was a lot more the killing of the innocents during Jesus' time by Herod. But you can see these little cutouts, niches. Where these babies were buried, maybe not any different. So we have a parallel here at Christmas time that God speaks to us even through evil, and maybe prophetically of the future, of where we're headed and where tyranny's is headed, and the confrontation before, between the two and what Satan wants to fruit from this. So will we see more of these? we we'll see a persecution of Christianity. and we we'll be made defenseless for this purpose. We're in flight. Tyranny's in pursuit of us.
2: And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, the wise men departed into their own country another way. And when they departed, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying... Arise, take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, for Herod will seek to destroy him. And in Ramah there was a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children. I can hear Rachel weeping, I can hear Rachel weeping, I can hear Rachel Her children are gone I can hear Rachel weeping I can hear Rachel weeping I can hear Rachel weeping There is no comfort Her children are gone Herod is coming You'd better get moving He's angry, he's crazy Who's you do. He's gathered his soldiers, he's looking for you. He's still here rage to here.
4: Gather the food and water Mary we must move quickly. i got the child. Herod is coming with blood
2: on his hands.
4: Blood on his hands, Herod is coming with blood on his hands.
1: So, tonight, what we want to show you is something maybe another perspective. I think, larger than the event, our hearts go out to these poor parents, siblings, family members. It's tragic. Tragic for us, much more so the closer you are to the event. But there's also another tragedy with this we can't lose sight of. Why is these things happening? That's the big question people have to ask. And they're doing that. But we're all missing the point. If evil wants to rue, how can we say Satan's not part of this? Why do we deny it as a culture? Mike Huckabee got in trouble for saying that God's been pulled out of the school. And so what are we left to do? But Who's going to fill in the void? Our Lady said once, Satan's looking for emptiness. A little emptiness in you. And he'll fill you up. And so it's not a matter of just being neutral about God. It's not a matter of just saying, okay, we'll be equal with those who don't want God. One will prevail and one will be oppressed. And as it stands now, we're oppressed. I'm sure this exorcist priest, the chief one of the Vatican, would say, put holy things in your classroom. Forget about, they tell you you can't pray. Every teacher across this land should begin their school day with a prayer. Each class with a prayer. Forget what the courts say. To those who go in the Colosseum say, Oh, I can't do this. I have to deny Christ. They got their very lives for it. When are we going to wake up and realize we don't have to obey a court? You shall lose my job. Not if everybody started doing it. What if the one child's parents said they don't want the prayer said that? Forget it. Why placate that? Start violating. Civil disobedience in this situation is part of the protection that we will stand up for God where have we gone in our principles of course you can read about the funerals and most of this and I knew what happened it was probably a strong Catholic area every little kid I'd be encouraged to have a little statue of the Virgin Mary there put them on the desk in the public school Louisiana does it they're so no Catholic there; they allow things in the public school. But I'm not just talking about Catholics. I'm talking about all Christians. Start saying we will pray. We're going to cover this school. We're going to cover this school day. We're going to cover this class in prayer to begin with. Not silence. Not neutral. Just do it. Your very life may depend on it. After this happened, I tell my wife, I said, go to, when you go out today, I think that was Saturday, I said, watch for shooters, because she was going to have to go Christmas shopping. She's like, oh, that's not going to happen. Somebody we know is in the hospital. She went straight to the hospital. St. Vincent's, the Calvin Hospital, police had the place blocked, the whole place. A shooter went in there, shot the guard shot two employees of St. Vincent's Catholic Hospital. Police came, shot him. They were only superficially wounded. Do you think because they have crucifixes all through this hospital, do you think because they got the Eucharist, in the, or Jesus in the tabernacle, a chapel, signs all, all over the place, not a neutral chapel where Muslims can pray and Jews can pray, a Catholic chapel, a Christian chapel, there's no apology for that one of the most coveted hospitals where people say the treatment's the best around, they want to be there. Do you think maybe that has something to do with protection of these three that are all shot, never life-threatening, point-blank range? I would say that could be something to that. So, armaments and guns and defense is not just your defense, and we'll get into some of that in a minute, but your defense is also prayer. Put holy pictures in your classroom. Put a picture of Jesus. Defy them. There's cases there that they'll do these things and and defend you like the last Defending Freedom organization. They have 1,300 or more, I think maybe 2,500 attorneys now that will stand in for you. Just defy it. It's time we Christians stand up and say, no more leaving us naked to this sort of satanic activity and plans. We will not submit to it. Take it back. If you're a teacher out there, you say, well, I may lose my job. You might. A lot of people lost their jobs in Rome. A lot of people lost their re- t- reputation, positions. But you're mighty brave to sit there and see this situation and say, I'm not going to cover it with prayer anymore. And maybe some of them were doing that in school up there. Maybe they were tolerant over it. But in most cases, we're not. We're vacating our position to the devil. As the Vatican exorcist said, it's not just the drugs and the psychotics stuff. We got to have exorcisms. Bring a priest to your, to your you do the blessing of St. Michael in your school classroom. Bear a medals around it. Stop planning and doing and acting and reacting to what the courts tell us, which is anti-God. Your God reigns. Put him in the first place. Jesus Christ. No apology. There's another piece about the drug involvement with this. All this explains and all these shootings have this element involved with it.
3: This comes from an article called Another School Shooting, Another Psychiatric Drug. Federal investigation long overdue. Fact. Despite 22 international drug regulatory warnings on psychiatric drugs citing effects of mania, hostility, violence, and even homicidal ideation and dozens of high-profile shootings and killings tied to psychiatric drug use, There has yet to be a federal investigation on the link between psychiatric drugs and acts of senseless violence. Fact At least 14 recent school shootings were committed by those taking or withdrawing from psychiatric drugs, resulting in 109 wounded and 58 killed. In other school shootings, information about their drug use was never made public neither confirming or refuting that they were under the influence of prescribed drugs. Fact. Between 2004 and 2011, there have been over 11,000 reports to the U.S. FDA's MedWatch system of psychiatric drug side effects related to violence. These include 300 cases of homicide, nearly 3,000 cases of mania, and over 7,000 cases of aggression. Note, by the FDA's own admission, only 1 to 10% of side effects are ever reported to the FDA. So the actual number of side effects occurring are most certainly higher.
1: February 2, 2012, our lady says, And you, my children... You continue to be deaf and blind as you look around the world or rather as you look at the world around you and you do not see where it is going without my son. You are renouncing him and he is the source of all graces. Did St. Vincent have some kind of measure of protection? What would happen there? Can you have that in your home? your institution, your business, your school. You're renouncing Him and He is the source of all graces. I don't need a, t- a court telling me what to do. And I've done that. I've been at Independence Hall, kneel down in front of thousands of people and do my rosary. And care less what people thought of it. We do it at airports when we're traveling. We kneel down at that apparition time and do our rosary. Come back from California, it was 14 of us or so on a trip. At the airport, we lined up and took up two bay windows. All of us kneeling down, looking outside, doing the rosary, preparation time. No apologies, no embarrassment. He is the source of all graces. You listen to me while I'm speaking to you, but your hearts are closed and you're not hearing me. You're not praying to the Holy Spirit to illuminate you. We need illumination. We need to see the folly of following restrictions in an atheistic culture who dictates to us what we can do, when we can do it, how we pray, where we pray to our Christian God. I admire the Jewish people. I've seen them in public and go do their prayers. The Muslims do the same thing. Christians, if we believe what we believe, why don't we do what we believe? Doesn't make sense. We're poor witnesses of our belief in our God. My children, pride has come to rule. I'm pointing out humility to you. And so we have these situations. He tells us to pray for protection. To pray, pray, pray. And now we have all these suggestions coming up. Put a policeman in every school. Barbed wire, fences, lockdowns, heavy duty doors, alarms, cameras. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. And even worse still, what is going to result in our real defense and Satan's real goal out of this, As he killed Liberty, he'll kill our freedom completely. They fired the first shot, goes in all these things. You can see this coming. That this is not an isolated event. It's over. We forget about it. We mourn it every year. This is going to be be an active event, just like 9-11 was active. And coming up with one thing and one law and one protection, so-called protection after another. The Oregon State Representative Dennis Richardson said, This is from Oregon. And he's actually a um, decorated helicopter pilot from Vietnam. So he's qualified to say what he says because he's been in security, he's been in protection. So if anybody wants to disagree with him, I throw those qualifications, qualifications. He's not coming up off the cuff, off the wall. But he says, if I had been a teacher or the principal of Sandy Hook Elementary School, and if the school district did not preclude me from having access to a farm, either by concealed carry or locked in my desk, most of the murdered children would still be alive, and the gunman would still be dead, and not by suicide. Our children's safety depends on having a number of well-trained school employees on every campus who are prepared to defend our children and save their lives. Many would go in alarms arms for this. This This is how we're going to react. It is God, it is Our Lady, who sends her. It is her who tells us that God's Word is the light of salvation in the light of common sense. That was December 2nd, 2007. What does this mean? She says, I am warning you again, without faith there is no God's nearness. Where was God's nearness? Do we have faith? Do we have faith enough to stand up into an atheistic, atheistic system that tells you you can't pray? Because you'll offend somebody. So you want to be sensitive to offending an atheist, a non-believer, and not sensitive to offending God, who's God? You're putting him above God, his rights, his belief above God and his belief. So, what does it mean? God's word, which is the light of salvation, the light of common sense. You heard me break this down again before. God's word was Jesus Christ. John writes, "The word was made flesh." So we know the word is Jesus Christ. We know he was the light of salvation. But this is very interesting if you read what Our Lady says. God's Word, say, so let's say Jesus, is the light of common sense. Jesus is the light of common sense. That's words from heaven. And so is Dennis Richardson, the Oregon State Representative, does he make sense? Is it common sense what he's saying to do? Not according to Medford Police Chief Tim George, who disagrees with Richardson, saying that teachers should leave questions of lethal force to first responders. Teachers don't go into teaching to be police officers. They want to teach kids. In crisis situations, there's a lot of very complex things happening all at once. You have to be constantly trained for deadly force incidences. Is that common sense? One's right, one's wrong. They're so geared in this first responding that they've become blind as a lady says. And where are you, my children? You're continuing to be deaf and blind. Look at the world around you. Look at the school. What would have stopped it? It's just common sense. How does that work? Well, we have an example of that. Just after this case happened, we have something happen in Oregon where the state representative spoke and the Medford police chief spoke, contradicting the, the state representative, basically saying, This is crazy, this is ludicrous. You don't know what you're talking about, having a teacher carry a gun. But there was a gun-toting civilian who saved lives by confronting a man on a shooting spree at Portland, Oregon's shopping mall last week. Nick Miley, 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 22, very inexperienced, 22, was at the Kalkakos Mall Town Center last Wednesday when a masked man opened fire. Nick drew his gun and went to confront the man. When the shooter, who was Jacob Roberts, stopped his assault to deal with a jammed gun, Nick came out and drew, his, drew down on him. The two of them made contact. Nick, who has a concealed permit for his weapon, did not fire on Roberts after seeing someone behind the target. So Nick sees this man. He's got his gun out. He's going to take a shot to bring him down because his, gun, his rifle's jammed. But he sees somebody behind him, and Nick, only 22, has enough sense and common sense, I can't shoot. Because he goes on and says, if I missed hitting Roberts, the shooter, he would hit the civilian in the background. Nick said, quote, as I'm going down to pull, I saw someone in the back of him move, and I knew if I fired and missed, I could hit them. Wow. This guy actually can think. See, you people out there that stand around saying that you can't think. You have to stop and you have to go find a phone or you have to pull your phone out, and you have to call 911. Everybody's an idiot. This is how we're treated by the government. We need police. They're a good force. They're important. But every shooting case, they come when everything's finished. Use common sense. This bunks Medford Police Chief George's fallacy. When he said, in crisis situations, there's a lot of very complex things happening. All at once, you have to be constantly trained for deadly force incidents. Really? You have to be trained and have a sense enough to go down and see a man in a mall who's already shot and killed two people. You hear the bullets, his guns jam, you draw your gun, people behind him, and you got enough sense to say, I can't shoot. But they made eye contact. And what happened at that point? Nick says, after he saw me, the shooter, Jacob... Jacob Roberts I think the last shot he fired was the one, that, the one that he used on himself so the shooter Roberts turned the gun on himself after Nick the only, the only shot fired after being confronted so two people killed on this rampage and it could have been more had not Nick, had, had Nick not owned his own weapon and brought it there. You see, this is a gun free zone. Nick was not supposed to carry his gun there. But there's people alive and will experience Christmas because Nick did have his gun with him. Of course, this incident was also reported, or only rather, reported through Oregon's media. It was not included in any narrative reported by national media outlets that that covered this tragic incident. Why? Because of what it shows, that it's good to have somebody with a concealed weapon, or many people with concealed weapons, in gun-free zones, which really, in reality, are kill zones. All these school shootings, all these things are happening where people aren't allowed to carry guns. I wrote about that, and they fired the first shot. Kennesaw, Georgia. So many people were being robbed. The city council had the guts to sit there and say in the 80s, everybody will hold or own a gun and have ammo. 90% drop in crime. One of the most safest places in the United States of America. It's been named in the top 10 cities to live. And since this law has passed by the, the city council... They haven't had any murders. Oh, yes. Okay, i got to back up. They did have two murders. You know where the murders were? Gun-free zones near a school. Because the concealed people, the law-abiding people, cannot bring a gun by there. But if you're not law-abiding and you don't want any resistance and you want to do your killing, you can do that. Jesus is the light of common sense. I'm mixing Jesus with this. The catechism says you have a right to defense. Australia banned their guns. Crime skyrocketed through the roof. The top 10 to 15 cities ran by, where murder is, is all ran by leftists. Hardcore people who banned guns. What does that tell you? Just use your thoughts. Just just think about this for a moment. This policeman who says leave questions of lethal force to first responders. Who's the first responder? Was it the police that came after everything was finished? Or was it the one who first made the nine-woman calls? Or was it the one who principal without a gun ran toward Adam Lanzi with her body unarmed to try to tackle him and stop him and also another principal or assistant principal oh but they're not responsible enough The state representative says our children's safety depends on having a number of well-trained school employees on every campus who are prepared to defend the children and save their lives. If this woman was willing to give her life, if another woman teacher was willing to give her life by covering the children with her own body, you're telling me she's irresponsible, if she had a gun? Where is your common sense? You tell me to spend hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars to fortify our schools into fortress, fortresses, condition our children to, to be used to being in prison camps. When you don't have to spend a dime, you're just going and say, "Teachers, you can have a cell weapon." Oh, but there's going to be accidents. How many teachers get killed driving to school? Back and forth. How many accidents will there be? Because there's going to be some. Electricity. People get electrified by that every day or die from it somewhere. So let's say we have five in five years. One a year. Somebody drops a gun. Somebody gets killed. How many students would die during that same period of time that will be alive because of that? Oh, but what if one of the teachers go away a while and start shooting? Well, both sides of that classroom have got two other teachers with guns. Use common sense. We don't think anymore. So I'm certain that there'd be students that would be alive today. Kids. It's not students. You don't even call that. It's just children would be alive today if they were allowed to carry. I know... Uh, there's a couple of universities. What's the name of it? Uh, Protestant University on the East Coast. They invite you to bring your weapons. No problems there. And Utah never a gun shooting there because they're allowed on their university campuses to do that. And I think even I think any school. What does that tell you? They go to gun-free zones because they know they can do what they need to do and finish it. All they need is three or four minutes. Where can you get somebody to come and respond? So your first responders are not the police. The first responders are those who are on the scene. I was wired that you see something happening and I grew up in a time that you did what you needed to do even if it cost you your life. Where do we go away from this? Well, I'm just going to retire and call 911 and everything will be finished. And they can just do the paperwork and investigation. We've got to change our mentality. We're coming into tyranny and we're going to give up and vacate under this false premise that the president is going to use and all these people to stop this, or rather, to stop us from being able to defend ourselves. It's going to be bad. Reason it out. Go through these things. So we can settle this problem not just by this, but this is one action we can take is you just allow responsible teachers to go through a training session and how much training does this guy in the mall have? It's just logic. It's awful to be treated as the idiots that we are by a lot of people in law enforcement that we can't do anything on our own Wait for the police. We, we've just come to a 911 mentality. Forget this stuff. You've got to take prote- protection and think and reason this through. But what's the deeper problem here? The deeper problem here is we've got a situation that we have to start blaming ourselves for first. Because we have a tragedy here. We won't see it. None of the parents in heaven will see it as a tragedy because they'll see all these children in heaven. They made it there. But what kind of culture has birthed this? What happened to Adam Lanzi? Why did he do this? Well, Satan. But also there's contributors to that. We've read about the drugs, the antidepressants. They haven't released information on that, but every shooter has had this. I came out Prozac, the one Virginia Tech came out Prozac, and that, and it was said that after you come off this, after you've been against, the, has been fighting your depression, that you, all that piles up at one time and it hits you, and it's a pretty tough go. We become a medicated society. Rather than going spiritual and see what God can do, we medicate it, make people zombies, as we have a lot of this going wrong. But I said. Again, the guy wants to speak to you through nature. And we can learn a lot from elephants, as far-fetched as that might sound, about Adam Lanzi and all the Adam Lanzis out there
3: and the potentials of what's going on and why it's going on. South Africa's wildlife parks are a great success story. They've brought many animals back from the brink of extinction and millions of tourist dollars from all over the world. But, as first reported in 1999, there's a problem lurking in the South African bush. Game rangers discovered that a new group of juvenile delinquents has been attacking and killing the white rhinoceros, the rhino they've spent years protecting. In South Africa's Palanisburg Park, Rhinos were thriving until an unknown killer began stalking them. 39 rhinos, 10% of the population in the park, were killed. The killings clearly weren't the work of poachers. The rhinos' horns hadn't been touched. The park rangers began conducting an invis- investigation. Their first findings led them to believe that if they were to round up the usual suspects, they need a pretty large holding pen. That's because the prime suspects were not humans but elephants. It turned out that young male elephants were behind the murders of Polanisburg's rhinos. Why would they do it? Well, like juvenile delinquents, they had grown up without role models. I think everyone needs a role model, and these elephants that left the herd had no role model and no idea of what appropriate elephant behavior was, said Gus Van Dyke, Polanisburg's parks field ecologist. The problem goes back 20 years to South Africa's largest conservation area, which had too many elephants. In those days, there was no way to relocate these large adults. So researchers decided to kill the adults and save the children, who were more easily transported to other parks. The government veterinarian, who originally approved the relocations, said it was a good idea. He said that he considered the possibility that the young elephants might not adjust well, but that there was no other option. The intentions may have been good, but the program created a whole generation of traumatized orphans thrown together without any adults to teach them how to behave. Years later, those lonely orphans developed into troubled teenagers. That's when the killings at Pelanisburg Park began. Like a police department facing a crime wave, the rangers photographed the murder scenes and put together rap sheets on the prime suspects giving them each names. One of the suspects was named Tom Thumb. We've identified that Tom Thumb was in an area where, coincidentally, a rhino mortality took place, Van Dyke said. Tom Thumb was put under surveillance, but other elephants were caught red-handed. In addition to killing rhinos, they acted aggressively toward tourist vehicles. Researchers eventually decided to kill five of the elephants. They may have been juvenile delinquents, but there's no reform school for elephants. Then a teenage elephant named Mafuta began causing trouble for Jacques Macmillan, who cares for elephants, at a private game reserve near the park. McMillan didn't want to shoot the elephant, so he decided to try to provide some discipline. But Mafuta turned the reserve's elephant herd all of whom were orphans, relocated without adults, into a street gang. He became the gang leader. The source of the problem is basically man doing something which turned out to be wrong, McMillan said. On that basis, we're pretty much obliged to try and solve the problem before taking the drastic steps of shooting the animals. At that point, it seemed there was still time to study the situation, that a real confrontation was several years away. The elephants on his reserve were still too small to attack a rhino. Macmillan followed the elephants constantly to document the rhino attacks. At first, the scenes seemed funny enough. One day, Mafuta hosed down a rhino with his trunk. But the attacks became more violent. At one point, Mafuta spent seven hours stubbornly going over a group of rhinos. When MacMillan briefly managed to distract the elephant, the rhinos ran for cover. But when Mafuta saw what had happened, he charged off in a rage. Several weeks later, he attacked one of the same rhinos again. This time, he actually got on top of her and pushed her down, knelt on her, went around the back and kicked her, MacMillan said. After another attack, he decided to shoot Mafuta. I wasn't happy, said MacMillan. I realized it had to be done, but because I had been working rather closely with the animal, you form emotional attachments. The people at Polanisburg also wanted to avoid killing the delinquents, though they still could not explain their destructive behavior. But in time, as they studied the elephants, a pattern began to emerge. Elephants were left to their own devices, are profoundly social creatures, a herd of them, is, in essence, one incomprehensibly massive elephant, a somewhat loosely bound and yet intricately interconnected tinsel organism. Young elephants are raised within an extended, multi-tiered network of doting female caregivers that includes the birth mother, grandmothers, aunts, and friends. Studies of established herds have shown that young elephants stay within 15 feet of their mothers' for nearly all of their first eight years of life. Young males then go off for a time into an all-male social group before coming back into the fold as mature adults. A study in Botswana found that younger males seek out older males and learn social behaviors from them. Like many other animals, elephants form a strict hierarchy which reduces conflicts. This fabric of elephant society has effectively been frayed by years of systematic culling by government agencies to control elephant numbers and translocations of herds to different habitats. The number of older matriarchs and female caregivers had drastically fallen, as had the number of elder bulls who play a significant role in keeping younger males in line. As a result of such social upheaval, calves are now being born to and raised by ever-younger and inexperienced mothers, Young orphaned elephants, meanwhile, that have witnessed the death of a parent at the hands of poachers, are coming of age in the absence of the support system that defines traditional elephant life. The loss of elephant elders and the traumatic experience of witnessing the massacres of their family impairs normal brain and and behavior development in young elephants. In Polanisburg, the rangers decided to bring in some larger bull elephants. The bigger, older elephants established a new hierarchy in part by sparring with the younger elephants, correcting their behavior. Van Dyke compared it to a group of teenagers who have been acting up, who are confronted by their fathers all of a sudden. The Palanisburg juveniles seem to be reading the message loud and clear. Since the big bulls arrived, not one rhino has been killed. Even Tom Thumb has calmed down. He stopped harassing the rhinos, and the rangers hope that he'll, be, he'll grow up to be a new man. When he gets back to that position, hopefully he's had time to reflect on his misspent youth. Research has shown, with an older bull elephant, correction followed, and order began to reign. Amazing
1: stuff, but real. They've shown that the elephant actually has emotions very similar to human. And whereas the brain and the way it functions, they did MRIs on it and it shows the thinking and the way they, they relate their social order is very similar to ours. You see where the animal and we are the other way, but they can pick up the same things we do. This dysfunction is happening with the, with the um, male father or rather the main bull not being there. Does this is not speak to us? We know there's a connection between the absence of father and a shocking growth in the American prison population. There's something to that. What does this cause? Why is it like that?
4: Parents never took the young girl to church, never spoke of his name, never read her his word. Two non-believers walking lost in this world. Took their baby with them. What a sad little girl. Her daddy he drank all day and mommy did drugs. Never wanted to play. Or give kisses and hugs She'd watch the TV and sit there on the couch While her mom fell asleep And her daddy went out And the drinking And the fighting Just got worse every night Behind their couch She'd be hiding Oh, what a sad little life And like it always does The bad just got worse With every slap And every curse Until her daddy In a drunk rage one night Used a gun on her mom And then took his life And some people From the city Took the girl far away To a new mom And a new dad, kisses and hugs every day. Her first day of Sunday school, the teacher walked in a small little girl stared at a picture of him She said, I know that man up there on that cross I don't know his name, but I know he got off Cause he was there in my old house And held me close to his side as I hid there, behind our cow, The night that my parents died
1: not the little girl we want you to focus on but the mom and dad in this situation this tragic situation what drove them to this why did they end up with wrecked lives the answer is in the message our lady says i wish for the fruits of the family to be seen one day is that not incredible this message was said 20 years ago or more The fruits of the family to be seen one day. Why? Because the family's not producing fruit to the 60s, to the 70s, to the 50s even. We were going downhill. I wish for the fruits of the family to be seen one day. What fruit are we getting now? Drug addict parents. The situation is little girl's parents. Why is that? Because we managed God out of everything. The message I was paraphrasing a while ago is September 5th, 1988. My dear children, tonight your mother warns you that in this time Satan desires, Satan desires you and is looking for you. A little spiritual emptiness, is, emptiness is you, in you is enough for Satan to work in you. For this reason, your mother invites you to begin to pray. May your weapon be prayer. With prayer with the heart, you will overcome Satan. Your mother is it not strange? Our lady is speaking to herself as your mother invites you to pray for the young people of the whole world. Why? Because these young people grew up to be what these parents were in the song? Devastated through divorce. And that's where we go with Adam Lanzi. The real tragedy. That if we had the fruits of the family being single one day, what your lady shows this can be reversed and can be changed. It's in the family. It's not in the pharmaceutical drugs. They're unnatural. Even nature revolts. Remember the chimpanzee? Attacked a woman. Tore her whole face off. Terrorized a policeman. Everybody was horrified. The chimpanzee was antidepressants. Taking the drug. It's not natural. Our Lady tells us real clearly, with prayer, with the heart, you will overcome Satan. Your mother invites you to pray for the young people of the world. Preceding that, may your prayer, or rather may your weapon be prayer. The principal charged this guy. But with prayer, we have enough common sense that she could have had a weapon. And with prayer, that weapon of prayer would have gave her the ability to have that concealed weapon. If you need further common sense, Pope Pius XII, during World War II, had the Swiss Guard lay down their harbors or the spears And armed them with machine guns to defend St. Peter's. Nothing nasty about it. There's nothing vulgar about that. There's nothing against God about that. It was the soldiers with the lances who kept order and allowed the crucifixion to continue. The mob would have destroyed everything, the plan of salvation. God used that. But because we're emptying the schools of God, it's allowed Satan to work in there. Just use your logic. And so what happened to Peter, or rather, to Adam Lanzi? Peter and Nancy Lanzi, they married in 1981. They separated in 2001. Filed for divorce in 2008. Divorce finalized in 2009. Adam was 17 years old at the time. And Peter, the father, started dating a new woman. They lived together for three years. They'd just been recently married. Sources said, and some of this is subject to error, because so many things misreport, but the spirit of truth is what we're after. Sources said that Adam stopped speaking with his dad at the time he started dating this new woman. That's a natural reaction. How can a child be begotten by a man and a woman and he not feel crushed by the result? Remember, a child is part of the mother and part of the father. So when they separate, how does that individual carry that pain and that difficulty in his heart without it being cut in two? Mom goes this way, Dad goes this way. I remember a divorced woman told me once, oh, they'll get over it. You know, it's like pneumonia. It's pretty severe, but they'll get over it. No, you never get over it. Christian principles will help. That's what Adam didn't have. Maybe his mother mother was religious. We don't know. Maybe his dad turned religious. Maybe he was all alone. But we give bad advice to our kids. Our says as many parents giving bad advice to, to children, the youth. They don't know how to give good advice. And people say they're good parents, they're good this. Okay. Then why don't they stay together? If you're good parents, you stay together. Many may be listening to this and start feeling bad. I'm talking about today, change everything. Repent of everything. You can't change what you've done in the past. Our lady says, let go of the sins of the past. But what we need to do to get healing, to get off our antidepressants, is to recognize where we've made mistakes, where we've done things wrong, where we haven't been taught, where the pulpits have been silent. It's John Paul who told the pulp from the, the America, America, stop the annulments. And we didn't. And at that time, I think we were 80% of the nomads across the whole world. And only four or five other countries even allow them. That's increased. I think Italy's now second. So, he quit speaking to his dad when he started dating this new woman, Adam. A local landscaper, Dan, Dan Holmes, said he believed Adam's father was not at large presence or rather was not a large presence in Adam's life. Nancy Lanzi evidently still suffered from a bad divorce and could be pretty vocal about her ex. I don't believe the kids saw the father at all, Holmes said. She was pretty vocal about her ex-husband years afterwards. But there's also another side of this. The bull elephants are taken out of the herd. All the courts are for the woman. Peter Lanzi, the father's firm an attorney had said on record that he was broken over this divorce. That he was shaken up by it. And he tried to give everything to his ex-wife. He set up making $300,000 a year. So Adam didn't have work. He didn't have to. But he was locked down in the basement by himself. He did this. He moved down into the basement of the large house they had. No windows. They said he's a Brilliant. He was a genius. And he spent hours playing violent video games. And he was obsessed with this in the violent guy video games. He killed his mother first. And then he killed the principal who came after him, who were good friends with the mother. So, all this anger in Adam. Where did it come from? Was something taken from him, from him that was owed to him? Because there's been other geniuses, geniuses that, who who were in the same boat. And yet many people come through divorce. But prayer can make a difference in one's life. There's something floating around called I am Adam's mom. And then... Uh, she names all the school killers and then says, I am this mom and this mom. But she gives her event of the trouble she's having with the 13-year-old now. I've read it in several places where it's circulating and everybody marveling. at it. And she says, I'm crying out for help because she sees a 13-year-old going to this same thing, this anger. And she kind of ends it toward the end where she tells this 13-year-old after taking him to the hospital and they're drugging him that the argument on the way to the hospital revolved around losing his electronic privileges. What is wrong with you? Why would any parent let any violent game be in their home? And he says, darkness comes into your homes every day. People who are in darkness. These video games are a result of, in Vietnam, when they found men going to combat that they still had the pistols in the holsters. Or not ready prepared to shoot. So they came up with video games to show these soldiers and get them normalized and desynthesized to killing. And so, if we can commit adultery in the heart by entertaining it, and you're killing physically even though it's not real, constantly, a uh, scene that would be like having lust in your heart, you're doing this on a TV screen, normalizing killing. Is this not sin? When you desynthesize yourself to it? And how much is the parents responsible for this? For buying it, contributing and allowing it in the house? Throw these things out. So what incubated through a divorce, a crushing of the heart, isolation, losing the father, the bull, out of the herd, of the family. And I say this because we have counseling coming here. Many women do this. They chase the man away. They don't stick with them. He goes in shutdown mode. There's nothing left for him but do but leave. So what do they do in Africa? They put bull elephants back in there and they brought order. The father, Ali says, is to be there. She gives this relationship between her and God the Father. So we're at fault with this thing in Connecticut. We've contributed to it as a culture. And it's not going to go away until we realize marriage is forever, for better or for worse, and you stick it out. And I've heard over and over and over from men that they were driven away. They won't vocalize. What their sentiments are because they feel like they have to internalize it because they're always being convinced of something else. Let him lead. Let him guide. He's the center. Yes, the Father, like God the Father, is the center of the family. Things revolve around him and his guideship. Did you notice that the female elephants, that they keep the babies for the first eight to 10 years or so. They stay within 15 feet. But when they become teenagers, it's time for the bull elephant to start guiding. And this is when we see most of the divorces start occurring. Because there's a confrontation of the ability of the father to witness or guide or lead the children. You see well, my husband's not a good leader. Well, what did his mother do? Every boy and girl was raised primarily in those first few years, either absence of the mom or with mom all the time, In those first, just like the elephants. But she gives way to the further of corrections and guidance to those teenage years. And most men aren't able to take that reign because of female domination. Some people won't like that. I've seen it. I believe it. I know it to be true. Daniel Patrick Monaghan wrote this 40 years ago. From the wild Irish slums of the 19th century, eastern seaboard, to the riot-torn suburbs suburbs of Los Angeles, there is one unmistakable lesson in in American history. A community that allows a large number of young men to grow up in broken homes dominated by women, never acquiring any stable relationship to male authority, never acquiring any rational expectations for the future, that community asks for and gets chaos. Adam Ramsey's all over the place. The bull elephant. We've feminized the family. We've neutralized the man, the male. We've driven him away. And don't respond to me, well, he was this and he was that. What attributes could you have praised that he'd be there for? Your man won't be able to make money if you give sentiments, not say the words, that he's a loser. Or you talk to him like he's one of the kids in the family. If there's any guilt that's happening today, it's in the feminization, as Patrick Monahan said. Dominated by women, never acquiring any stable relationship to male authority, never acquiring any rational expectations of the future. That community asks for and gets chaos. We're in chaos, people. People will be offended by this. You read how to change your husband. And if you disagree with that, I don't want to talk to you. Because you're a rejector of truth. I'm not interested in debating you on this. It's in the message. It's there. Kids become jealous. You put them on the path. Kids aren't jealous of the mother and father if they're in love with each other and they stay together. But if they have a special interest in going different ways, they divorce. This sets up the Adam and Lanceys to do what they do. Now, many people are going through this and they didn't become that. And it's true. And they're not on antidepressants. But what counseled that, exactly what this little girl had, they took her to Sunday school. Christianization we need Christ we need prayer we need Christian principles to be able to overcome this tragedy I was in Ohio speaking and this was applying this to the United States of America but when Joan reads this you apply it to Adam Lanzes to yourself it just came out I felt I was saying it was from God. But place this situation in Connecticut. It would happen. And it was said also that Adam was envious of his mother's care for the kindergartners. Was this thing unknown that the marriage that he saw and what he did, or what Adam saw, that the marriage... And the thoughts of that, did he recognize something in that? That spilled into hatred? and the other emotions?
3: Joan? The one thing I've learned through the messages is that jealousy incubates. It ferments. And it transforms into something else. If you continue to have this, you hold on to this, you harbor this. It won't stay just jealousy. You'll begin to hate who you're jealous of, or what you envy, or what you don't have. We have this right now incubating in the continental United States of America. Class warfare, the haves, the have-nots, the productive, the unproductive. Very dangerous. Extremely dangerous stuff. And they're taught to start off with jealousy. And then the other side will react to that. That turns into hatred. What does hatred turn into? It will incubate and turn into something else. Because when you hate, what does the scripture tell us? It teaches us that you become blind. Hatred blinds. You don't see things correctly anymore. In fact, you don't know what you see anymore. And our world's filled with hate. It's living by hate today more than love. We're scared to say sin is sin, and sin is hatred. It's selfish. And so wherever it may be, however it may be, jealousy is very, very dangerous because it will metamorphose into hatred. Hatred makes you blind. The third evolution from that is disillusionment because you're blinded. You can no longer see. You don't know what you see. You don't know what's right and what's wrong. You're grade. You lose your morality. Hatred is very, very dangerous for us. And now we're in disillusionment. People don't know which way our country's going. We don't know where we're going. We don't know about our family. We don't know about our marriage, our church the priests, the bishops. And once we go into the stage of disillusionment, we seek to be able to see clearly, but we don't get rid of the jealousy. Therefore, we don't get rid of the hatred. And so how can we get rid of the disillusionment? We come to try to perceive things, and we misperceive it. So we move to that phase, misperception of everything we see, because we're blinded by hatred. So we're disillusioned. So the fourth thing is misperception. The messages show this. Our lady didn't say this, but it's there. It's cored into it. So we have a disillusioned society. We don't even know what to do. We think November's our answer for the election. That's disillusionment. That's not the answer. How come we can't see? Because we haven't cleaned, because we haven't cleaned our heart. We say we're praying and fasting, doing all these things. But Our Lady keeps telling us, just this February, you're blind. You don't even see which way the world is going. And we're the seasoned ones. We're following her. We're doing what she asks. And yet we are still are not in sufficient position to have the purity of heart that requires us to put God completely, 100%, in the first place, which will make us be able to see What don't we see? That we're disillusioned. So we moved to misperception, and we perceive things that everyone else is wrong, and we're right, and we're Our Lady's children. And then you go from misperception to the fifth thing, to perception. You're the victim, and everyone else is wrong. They're all bad. We're the righteous. We have an aired culture. Our Lady's phases teaches the visionaries in the parish. Love everyone in your family. Then you will be able to love everyone who will come here. The phases of the messages, difference between the second and 25th month. So in conclusion, jealousy turns into hatred. Hatred blinds and metamorphoses into disillusionment. Disillusionment turns into misperception. Misperception Turns into victimization.
1: And of course, I think this could be applied completely to this situation. It took us a while to find this. I thought I'd lost that. I remember saying that. I felt the power of God saying it. And someone, unfortunately, had taped it. We got it back. It's poor quality. But I think the resonation of truth is in there to explain Adam and Lansie. And it's tragedy. I read where somebody or a neighbor or someone had said of Adam Adam Lancy burn in hell. An incredible statement. Adam Lancy burn in hell? Why do you want to give the victory to Satan? Do you realize what you're saying and what you're thinking? Anybody thinking that way? Why would we want to give anything or credence to Satan if he wants something? And how do we even know he's in hell? Because that's where God taught You can't judge him. We don't know the conditions. But what we can do is look at Adam and his life is say, we're guilty. We are a part of this. And I'm saying all the way from the church, from the bishops, all the way through down to us in the streets. Is that a bold proclamation? No, it's truth. And I think any honest bishop would own up to that and confess that we've been too silent too long. We don't give encouragement to stand together. We got marriage tribunals, don't left and right. And don't you inserters come to me and say, I speak on half of the church. I speak on half of what the church teaches. It's time we go to the teachings. It's time we go to the scriptures. It's time we go to the messages. So I reject Adam Lancy burning hell. Because you're delighting something the devil would want. Yakov said after seeing hell, he would not wish his worst enemy to go there. And we've got to remember when we say something like that or think that or wonder even that's where he is for sure. We cast judgment on ourselves because we've done that. How do we know Adam Lansing didn't have his hell on this earth? We don't know what Jesus is going to do in the next life. And I'm against those who say we can't judge at all. We can judge many things. We can judge sins. We can judge other people. One thing we need to judge is what's happening in the family. There's something gravely disordered, dysfunction, that the animal kingdom itself teaches us in something that is so monstrous as an elephant that the male has to be there, the aged male. The women have to give up in the teenage years and let the father come in in some kind of role and she support that. Not negate it, not usurp it. Those days have to go away. And you both stick it out no matter the case. Many have followed the woman right out of the garden. Our lady, the woman, has come to lead man back to the garden. So how do you hurt that bad? How do you hurt in such a way that you get in position that Lanzi would do the atrocities and the evil that he did? And where was the parenting on the video games? I'll tell you, all you here in hearing distance, if you don't get your video games out, your Harry Potter out. There's books out there. Go look about it. Harry Potter is an evil thing. And I've heard bishops say it's okay. It's not, okay? It's against churches, teachings. It's evil. We've got books in our bookstore here at Caritas that shows you what this brings about. You going to get certificates? To Harry Potter to kids because they've attained a certain level of richery. and you think this is not inviting the demonic and we're going to video games? You better cleanse your house if your name doesn't want to be in the paper of what we see with Adam. How much of his fault would be placed on all of us? Because that's some bad hurt to take that kind of hurt out on others.
2: It was just another story printed on the second page Underneath the Tigers football score It said he was only 18, a boy about my age They found him face down on his bedroom floor There'll be services on Friday at the Lawrence funeral home, then out on Mooresville Highway, the lame need the stone. How do you get that lonely? How do you hurt that bad? call that having no life at all is better than the life that you had how do you feel so empty Did his girlfriend break up with him Did he buy or steal that gun Did he lose a fight with drugs or alcohol Did his mom and daddy forget To say I love you son no one see the writing on the wall now, I'm not blaming anybody We all do the best we can I know hindsight's 2020, But I still don't understand How do you get that lonely? You hurt that bad To make you make the call That having no life at all Is better than the life that you had How do you feel so empty Want to let it all go? How do you get that lonely? And nobody knows it was just another story printed on the second page. Underneath the Tigers' football score.
1: This Christmas, there'll be youth, children, spending their first Christmas in heaven. And while that's a great tragedy and a sorrow, it's a consolation. One day, these tears that we walk the earth with and we suffer from, and this great loss these parents have had, And the whole town; those those tears will go away. But how can we make it go away for what's in our future? For the Andy, or the Adam Lancy's in the making now. Our Lady gave instructions January 2nd, 2003 to help these non-believers. Dear children, as a mother, invites your children, I invite you to respond to me. Allow me to fill your heart with love so that it becomes a heart of love that you will be given to others without reserve. In that way, you will best help me in my mission of converting those of my children who have not yet experienced the love of God and the love of my son. Thank you, Our Lady says. Think about your loved ones. The one hope the parents in Connecticut can have is if they live righteous, they be holy, they'll have the consolation of seeing their children again. Because they were taken in the age of innocence. And if that's the only thing they can cling to. What if they weren't there when you got to heaven? I don't want to be without any of my loved ones. Do you? We were all guilty of what happened in Connecticut. We have all contributed to it. And until we start loving enough that we can show this love to these non-believers, those who have never experienced God's love in their family life, and because of that, they turn into monsters. Or don't know of God in existence because they never felt that love. It's our lady who's coming because she don't want to be without them. She won't see his dear children. That's why she's coming to the earth to be with them. Tchau Via Dolorosa, Jesus carrying his cross, he turned to the daughters of Jerusalem and he said, Do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. then they will begin to say to the mountains fall upon us and the hills cover us for if they do this when the wood is green what will happen when it is dry for Newtown Connecticut we want you to know we're praying for you this special season and know these children are in glory we pray for your strength We pray from the point of bedroom apparitions in the field. We wish you our Lady. We love you. Goodbye.